Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast, where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day challenges in authentic stories of the struggle, each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad you're here today. As you know, I get so excited about my featured guests because one, they are giving their time and energy not only to me, but for your listening ears. And oftentimes I I notice the people who are quiet because even though I perform well in front of a crowd, whether I'm on a stage or behind a microphone, I perform well in front of a crowd. My preference is to be quiet to not be seen, to help and not get the credit. And so I take extra special notice to the folks who are quiet and yet have very powerful giftings and impact in their homes, in their lives, and that they are just listening to God's call. And so this guest today is very special to me because not only is that sort of a theme for her her project, but it is sort of the way I've seen her carry herself in a crowded room. When we are on a virtual setting, unless called upon, I don't see her spunk come out. But when she opens her mouth, man, does my heart flutter with the wisdom and the input that she gives. And so it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you my sweet sister in Christ, a fellow author, Um, Her name is Laura Schofield, and I'm so glad you're here, Laura. I'm so glad to be here, Crystal. Well, thank you for joining me. I know that it's not always easy um, because you are a military spouse. You are a mama. um, You have your own business to run. So it's not always easy to take this time. So I do recognize it as an extension of your energy and time. So thank you. It's definitely my pleasure. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? What do you want them to know? Let's see. I am a military spouse. My husband has been in the Marine Corps for 17 years. We're actually transitioning out of the military. Um, Yesterday, he turned in all of his gear, which was kind of a big uh, physical symbol of what we've been working towards. And we still have a couple of months to go, but that was a big, a big thing. Also a big thing to get out of my house. Um, And I I am, I homeschool my three children for now, maybe not next year, but this is the, this is what we've been called to do this year. And um, a big thing for us is getting ready for this transition. We actually just started living in an RV full-time for about like six weeks. It's only been six weeks. So it's been six weeks of adjustment and um, learning to adapt to different things and not getting frustrated with constantly stepping on people's toes. So that's kind of what's going on in my personal life. Um, and then I am really just loving the concept of seeing people. You know, that's just really what the Lord has placed on my heart. I think, especially as a military spouse. Just what can we do to let people know that they are seen where they're at? Um, So that's what I'm working towards in my non-homeschool mama military spouse life. I think that's such a special concept because unless God really stops our hearts and, and tells us that people need to be seen, unless we really open our humble ourselves to recognize that we really haven't been seeing people these days. Like we interact with people, we converse, we text, man, do we social media, but to actually see them, that's explain a little bit more of what that might mean or look like. I think it, I was trying to think if it stemmed more from being a military spouse or more from being a mom of little kids. Um, but we get into this thing of what I'm doing doesn't matter, Mm. right? That no one notices if I do the laundry until there's no more clean underwear. No one notices that I did the dishes until there's no spoon for the cereal. 
and no one notices that I am trying as best as I can. And my kids are still going to throw a temper tantrum at Target. Um, and especially, I think, contrasted with being a military spouse, I'm not out saving the world. What I do, it does not end up on television. I don't get a uniform and I don't wear medals. The temptation to compare. It like, is. There's a huge temptation this role to compare. Versus that. Yes. And, and the military is really good at comparison. We wear our rank on our shoulders and we wear what we've earned on our chest. And so just stemming from that, what does, what does a military spouse need? What does a mom need? What does the average person who's not on the news, who's not, doesn't have their own TV network really need? And I think it's validation and, and just knowing that, you know what, Hey, just because it's not monetized because it's not, it's not being sung from the mountaintops. It still matters. And you are still seen by God. It's so important. I've been, I've been tossing around the idea of why, because before I was saved, I was saved about 13 years ago. I was 24. And at that time, it was such a stark contrast between, I don't need your stinking God. Tell me about Jesus and I'm going to punch you in the face to, oh my goodness, he's real and he loves me. Like it was, it was truly that new creation moment it talks about in Corinthians. And I didn't know why it was so important. And lately I've been writing and working on my book on like how to, how to do therapy. Like, why do, why is this so important? And why does the Christian perspective even matter? But it really does hone into, I just want to be seen. I just like, I'm, my heart is just crying out, love me for goodness sake. Will you just love me already from all the human dysfunction throughout the journey? And I look around and I see that all of our sin, all of our malfunction, all of our loneliness and isolation stems from this fact that we don't know or we don't own that the God of the universe, the creator and threader of our soul loves us so much. We just have so many things in front of that relationship that we can't mm -hmm. feel or see it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think too, a lot of it is just when I see people ask for advice on different things, or when I've asked for advice in the past, I, I've come to know I wasn't asking for advice. I was asking for validation. I was asking for someone to say, you know what? Anyone would find that situation hard. Yes. And it is okay that you were struggling. And I, you know, I, I think back like, okay, no one, no one is expecting you to change their diagnosis. No one is expecting you to, to help that loved one that's hurting. No one is expecting you to magically cure their illness, but what they are wanting and craving is for you to just sit with them and say, I see, I see you. I see you in this struggle and I see you in this pain and you're valid in that that's okay. It's okay to struggle. Don't feel that you have to be perfect because no one is. Now, as you walk through this journey, I mean, transition abounds. Yes. <laughs> I mean, 17 years in the military culture is, is quite the indoctrination. I've been navigating the veteran culture for a number of years, but I went from getting out to not even acknowledging that I did serve mm -hmm. and just sort of letting my husband be the army guy. He's national guard. And I'm like, oh yeah, like he's the military guy. And then I picked up this job in a nonprofit in the veteran space and realized that it's a completely different culture aching for this military culture. And there's sort of this war mm -hmm. of how do I validate this journey that we've been on and how do I find my place with the value I've gained from my previous journey and step into a place. So as you transition, how do you, how do you explain that to your kids that you're living on mission? Has that been something that you've always sort of poured into them? I think 
our biggest um, thing that we've tried to teach our children is that it is really about people. That the only reason we've stayed in the military this long um, is because of the people. And that's, that is uh, relationships with our peers, friendships, and that is also mentorship of those who um, are younger than us, maybe in a different place. And, um, and so that's just what we've always, hey, what we're doing whenever my husband has left, he, he's done more humanitarian stuff than um, other things. And so it's been, hey, this hurricane has hit you guys know what a hurricane is like because we've lived through them. He has to go because not everybody has a thousand Marines at their disposal where they can just ask them for help. Wouldn't it be nice if we all had a thousand <laughs> Marines in our back pocket? Not everybody lives on base where it's mostly people who can do the work. Um, and just that whatever we do is for people because that's, what really matters is um, who we can touch and who, who we can also feel God's love from. Um, it's reciprocal. And um, so I think in that sense, it doesn't really change, right? Our, our mission is still people. And um, the people that were around, it will probably be different. And I think that that will probably be the biggest adjustment for not only myself and my husband, but our kids. Um, who've lived on base for the past six years, which is most of their lives. Um, and all they know is Marines and all they know is uh, kids of Marines and it's not weird to them. And, you know, I'm hesitant to see how they respond to people's questions about it because it's, it's so normal to them that they, they don't have an answer. They don't have an answer for what it's like to have a dad as a Marine. I, I don't know, everyone's dad's a Marine, you know? <laughs> It's just yeah, normal. The we, the, the, the collection type of, well, it, everybody understands to nobody yeah. understands. Yeah. Yeah. They've never had to articulate those things before. And um, I think that will be the, the more difficult part of this transition for us. So teaching them that it is about the people, articulating your journey, stepping into others, letting them be seen. Are these principles that you grew up with? Was your family life similar or is this an adaptation because of your military life and or your faith life? I think for me, it is an adaptation. Um, when I was at, looking back, I mean, my parents served in our church um, and, and we, you know, we always had friends around. We were, they were always involved in um, small groups of, of believers. But this, I think a lot of it stems from um, joining the military. And I, I was, we both, we both enlisted at one point. So uh, I speak for both of us in this. It's kind of, um, you're already choosing service over self. Mm -hmm. Just from the very nature of being in the military, and I think then as a believer in the military, it's kind of a natural adaptation of that, that it's not just, it's not really service to your country, it's service to your countrymen. And, and what does that look like across the whole board? Um, and, and also some of it has stemmed from when my husband and I got married, he was in E3 and we struggled. <laughs> there was a lot of struggles there. What? That happens when you're in? Know, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> but also wanting people to know that we're, we're for them, right? We're for you. We see your young marriage. We see your struggles with this life. And we're for you. And just having someone in your corner makes a huge difference. And um, so that's kind of our personal, like from a from our personal life, what would it have looked like if we'd had more senior leadership be in our corner? Absolutely. Um, and how can we translate that back out? In, in the veteran space, that's been a conversation where so many are crying out, like, we didn't have someone at our back. Like, when something happened, we didn't feel like we had anyone to turn to. And I 
I didn't know Jesus at the time when I was in, but I look back and man, his hands were all over my journey. I was an E2, E3 coming into an E6 spot. She was retiring and I was stepping into my first duty station. And then around me was all like O3s up to multiple four stars. And I just had this leadership mindset saturating me as this young, arrogant, like child who needed to be tamed and ordered. And they just, they just kept loving on me. And now I look back and I see that so many of them were believers. They just didn't tell me, or I didn't hear them because I was me. (laughs) And I, it makes my heart ache that not everybody had that because I needed adults to catch me. I needed someone to, to care because I was just going to keep doing me for a number of years after that. And I wish everyone had that because it changes the dynamic of your foundation. It changes the dynamic of the way that you make choices or the knowledge that you have in order to make educated choices. Yes. And uh, something that I like to remind civilians or people who haven't been around the military is that the often painful, unique thing about military culture is that we don't have those other fail safes there. It, there's our grandparents don't live down the street. Our parents mm-hmm. don't live down the street. We don't run into our elementary school teacher in the grocery store aisle. There aren't those other people who may have come alongside and mentored um, basic things, you know? So you have people who they've, they're, they're thousands of miles away from home and they don't know who to turn to to ask about renter's insurance. I don't know. I've never done this before. Who do I ask? There's no one here. Um, And your peers are all trying to figure out the same thing. And so to just saying, Hey, you know what? We don't, we don't claim to have it down, but we can share with you what we did and we can share with you whether we would do it again or not. And just say, you know, Hey, Hey, if you have questions, it doesn't, they don't have to be military related. They don't have to be you know, on project, they can just, what do you need to know? What, what can we help you with? What can we share our personal experiences with? Because we don't want people floundering over basic things. With that said, like what I did learn was leaders are those who continue to learn. Leaders are those who really don't, um, they don't, make the decision based upon just what they know. They'll read a book or they'll ask a question or they'll find a mentor. Do you have like memorable people or significant books that really just made major changes along your journey as you were learning? Oh, goodness. So for me personally, um, a book that really uh, changed my faith and my life was, um, by Ruth Joe Simons called Grace Laced. And it's a, it's a very beautiful devotional that really spoke to the part of me that's creative and loves to see pretty things. And, but it more than that, it's filled with truth, um, of just what it can look like to be a young mom, what it can look like to be following your husband around, um, and she's not military, she's a civilian and she's a beautiful speaker. Um, but there was just a lot of truth poured into me in a time where I wasn't seeking truth out, where I was so wrapped up in my own pain that I was like, it's not, I can't reach out. I don't know how to reach out. Um, so that was a huge book. Also, we love to tell people that there are, there are resources, right? Um, my husband and I have both greatly benefited from, um, they're called MFLAX, uh, Military Family Life Counselors. They're on every base um, and anyone can go. That's what I always tell my friends. I said, you don't, the spouse can go without your husband. It doesn't, you can go, you can go see them. They can meet you anywhere except for your home. So for me, that was amazing because we could meet at the playground and my children could play and I wasn't, I could watch them 
and I didn't have to find a babysitter. I didn't have to worry about them breaking anything. They could just be themselves and I could also talk. Um, and that's, that was an amazing resource for me. Also chaplains or pastors, or if they, um, a chaplain I think is in a unique situation where they know the military culture and he could see our pain and see what we were dealing with and speak to it. Um, I just remember his words were always, well, what does the Bible say? Not what does Christian culture say? Not does what the church say? Not does what the military say? What does Jesus have to say about this? Because it's not, they're not always the same. Such a great question because they don't, um, they don't necessarily teach you that when you come to the church where, what does the Bible say? It's all about, this is what our church teaches. This is how our church does it. This is how our parents, and, and that is not necessarily the, the most stable ground to stand on. When you say, what does the Bible say? And the fact that you had a chaplain that asked you that question, it's like, that's a good question. I, I could do that. I could open this book. I could Google and find it in the Bible. Like, let me figure this out. Let me look at some other resources. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was huge. It was huge for us, especially both of us grew up in the church. And so taking a step back and saying, what do we believe because this is what we grew up in? And what do we believe because this is what God says um, was a big thing for us. I notice a lot of the themes. Um, now you and your husband created the Quiet Days magazine, correct? That was sort of a partnership where you guys stepped was, into. Yes. yes. Oh, I take a deep breath for you. <laughs> As we my actually work really well together. <laughs> which is amazing. Like my husband and I are 10 years in and we're finally at the place where we recognize our skills are not different because life is difficult. Our skills are different because God designed us to complement one another. Yes. <laughs> Even though we don't understand, there is an opportunity for complementary skills. And now we're, we're stepping in to build a shelf and not want to kill each other and <laughs> like make decisions and be like, if I were my spouse, this wouldn't make any sense. I wonder how they think about it. So you guys work well together. You stepped in this venture. A lot of the themes that I see come across are biblical in nature, but they're really practical. Tell me yeah, about being, some of those things. Um, as much as I love being creative, I'm always like, there's piles, you can't see them, but there's piles of paint and fabric and um, I love being creative. Uh, I also recognize that we need to be practical because those creative things are my extra. Like I, I am very extra when I, when I am working on a project, but in reality, I mean, my clothes all be able to be able to go in the washing machine. It, I can't dry clean anything. I don't have time for that. And my meals better come with ingredients that I can get at Walmart because that's what we got in this town. <laughs> and you know, that, that I, in being practical and in sharing practical application that allows you the freedom to spend time being creative, to spend time doing what you, um, what you're, what you're wired to do, what, what gives you pleasure. And, um, that's not always laundry or cooking and cleaning and those things still need to be done, but, um, that's really where practical comes from. I love practical <laughs> as creative as I am. I'm also very practical. I agree. I, when I got out of the military, I got super sick. And so for 10 years, I was just fighting for the basics. Like, can I get from the couch to the bathroom? Can, do I have something that if I use this energy to stand, I'm going to be able to make for me and anyone in the household? Like it was very basic things, but it taught me this idea of be practical Make sure it's functional. I'm the same way. If it can't go in the washing machine, the dryer, if I have to iron or dry clean or do all the extra steps, no. I want something that is really just a good, it's evolved into being a good steward of my time, energy, and giftings. I'm not the organizer. I tell folks, I'm not a filer, I'm a piler. Like, 
<laughs> I have the piles, but they make sense in the way that I function because I want to be able to do five things as I go from this desk up the stairs all the way to the bedroom and back. And so everything sort of has this very practical or functional way of, look, let's just get through life and enjoy the things that matter, like sitting down, my my son's love language is quality time. Not just quality time, but interactive quality time. He wants to know that you're looking at him. He wants to know that you're answering his questions. He wants to know that you are fully present with nothing else distracting or at your disposal. So in order to give him that, other things need to be simpler and it was, it's really hard to draw those boundary lines and just say, no, like this isn't, this isn't practical. Like it's, if it takes me three different stores to make this meal and all your kids want to do is be outside because you're in a great location with great weather, why, why would you go to three stores? Yes. Yes. And I'll tell you what, transitioning to an RV has amplified that even more. Like, Am I using it every single day? <laughs> Does it serve a really, really good purpose? If not, I don't want to trip over it anymore. <laughs> it's got to go. Everything's got to go. <laughs> yes. Our base thrift store has been very well stocked. <laughs> They're like, hmm, I wonder what's going. I wonder where all these things are going. Oh, we're just living in an RV. We're good. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> Which is actually a creative way to use our brain. I'm fascinated by all the ways that we can adjust and shift our brain, the way that God's created us. And when you change environments and, and some of folks can relate for, for me, I have been, we both actually just got out of our quarantine period. Yeah. And for me, <laughs> I was quarantined out of my bedroom with all of my creature comforts. And I was, in the living room, I had like three outfits, two pair of underwear, one pair of PJs. And I felt like every time I changed clothes, I had to wash everything so I could be semi-functional <laughs> the next day. Thankfully, I wasn't the one that was sick, but I was fascinated by the way my brain was trying to adjust to get comfortable. It was trying to figure out how do I do this better? How do I minimize energy expenditure? How do I keep things as normal as possible with the limited resources space, like all the things you would normally do. So really your brain is sort of reimagining life in a new environment. Yes. And it's actually, it's actually really fun for me um, to just kind of see, Hey, how many pots and pans do I need out? Do I use all of these? Do I not use all of these? Um, you know, what, what I, it's a really silly thing, but I, instead of keeping racks and racks of spices, I've just created my own spice blends. Do I need, so I don't smart. need all these individual ones. I, when I make chili, I put all of these in at once or, you know, I don't need separate. Um, so how can I minimize that? And it's, it's really fun for me. I've, I've really enjoyed that part of it. That's so important because I, I feel like there's listeners out there that are that are aching. They're like, I, I want that simpler. I want that that sort of minimized functional, what's practical, what's frivolous approach to life. And they don't know where to start. And that's a perfect example. Like simplify your spices. How many of the 30 jars do you actually use? And how many are like 10 years expired? <laughs> yeah. How many did you buy for that one recipe for Christmas four years ago? And you're like, you didn't even like the recipe, you know, never making that again. <laughs> exactly. What other things like that have you learned with the kids, with your family that have just been fun ways to simplify life? We, so weight is the biggest issue, um, is shedding weight for the RV and we've really learned like, what does our family really want is um, we prioritize our record collection, which is really random <laughs> and our book collection, which is heavy, but that's, we're like, Hey, our kids don't even play with toys anymore. They would much rather read a book 
well the toys are out <laughs> that's great yeah and um Celeste has been really fun like okay what do we actually need and, and quarantine was a really good test of that because we were not going anywhere we we're not doing anything fun um we could go outside but that was about it and like oh we really just read books and that's about it like, there's a lot of purging that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I can tell you that. What, um, how do you balance? So an RV is a small space and you have the demand of your, your husband transitioning, the kids needing homeschooled. How do you prioritize being a mom, being a wife, but also running this business? Um, unfortunately for the business, it's really had to take a back seat, uh, over the past, over the summer we were, we had renovated our RV before we moved into it. And that really took a lot of time and energy. And so now I feel like I'm playing catch up, which is kind of a really frustrating place for me to be in. But, um, I try to think every morning, what, what do I need to do today? to make sure that my children know they're loved. Mm. And that's really my priority. And if something happens with the business, um, that's okay. You know, I, I would much rather it be successful, but in the end, it'll be okay. And what does my husband need for his, for transitioning? Sometimes it doesn't involve me um, any more than just making sure the kids stay out of our bedroom so he can study. Like that's, you know, it's, it's not typical. I didn't, I didn't turn in the gear. He had to do that. Um, so that's kind of on, on him right now. So like but, communication, that collaboration of what does the day look like? Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of thinking ahead and what do people need? And, and I think it changes on a daily basis because sometimes my kids are perfectly content to play outside for hours and I can sit in and, and work. Um, yesterday they wanted to go to down to the water, uh, which they're not allowed to do by themselves. And so I had my phone out writing articles on my notes section. I was like, Hey, I'm watching you guys. I, I don't have the time to participate, but I have the capability to move where I am so that you can do what you want to do. Um, so sometimes it's, you know, I'm sure people driving by are like, oh, that mom's on her phone. <laughs> sorry guys like I have to work sometime <laughs> I'm with them 24 hours a day it's okay I promise <laughs> I do articles and speak to text and so like if I'm outside or if like I was on a prayer walk and then all of a sudden I have this flood of information or I need sunshine because I live in Pittsburgh and seasonal effective is rampant <laughs> I'll be speaking into my phone and I feel the same way. They're like, oh, she can't even take time away from her phone to go for a walk. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to be productive and get this out of my brain because it's too much. And there's all this, because <laughs> my son knows if I go, hold on, wait. And I start just babbling into my phone. He understands that like, that's part of my writing process, but <laughs> to outsiders, they're like, uh-huh. I see you <laughs> slacking. Yes, exactly. My kids know if like I'm pounding on my type on my on my keyboard, I'm like sorry, it has to come out right now. It just has to come out. It's it's gonna ping pong around in there and drive me nuts. So just or it's gonna disappear. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm gonna forget. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't let it disappear. Like, just just let me get it somewhere. I'll find it eventually, but I need it somewhere. Yes, I can edit later. I just need to get these words out. Is there anything that, because I mean, this is stressful. Let's be real. Like it's it fun. It's creative. It's all the, all the opportunities to learn new things and create a new season of life. But sometimes there are days where you just want to curl up and be like, I don't want it anymore. Yes. How do you navigate those days? So a big thing for me um, is in my own personal struggles with mental health, um, coming to the point where I can say I am mentally healthy 
And I know that if I take the afternoon off, if I take the day off, if I am feeling too anxious to go run errands and choose to stay home, that this is temporary and tomorrow will be different. And to give myself the permission to do that. And when I first started coming, um, coming out of severe anxiety, severe uh, agoraphobia, I didn't leave my home. I pushed myself no matter what. I'm going to leave the house. It doesn't matter if I'm going to grip my teeth and I'm going to, you know, my blood pressure is going to skyrocket. I'll, I'm going to just gut it out and I'm going to do it. And that's, it was important at the time, but now I can say, Hey, you know what? I'm okay. But I had a kid with nightmares all night and I'm tired and I'm not going to go anywhere today. And I'm going to set a timer and I'm going to work for a couple hours and then we're going to watch a movie. And I'm not going to feel guilty about that because like, I'm still a person too. <laughs> so that's really been my, just give yourself permission. I, um, our family does, um, it's called dwell, dwelldifferently.com. And every month they send out a Bible verse with temporary tattoos to help learn the Bible verse. And I have it tattooed on my wrist right now. And it is um, Psalm 116.7, which says, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. And I laughed at God, right? Because I was like, Lord, I'm trying to like reinvigorate my business. I'm trying to make sure my kids have learned everything they need to learn. We're trying to find a new job. We're trying to figure out where we're going to live. And you're telling me to return to rest and just, okay. Okay. And, um, that's I, not Carol funny, Kent Lord. Once, <laughs> Carol Kent once told, um, was talking about sacred echoes. And once you hear something from the Lord, you kind of just keep hearing it over and over. And that is like, I cannot tell you how many times I've read the word rest this week, but it is a lot. It is more than any other word. And I was like, okay, okay. Rest is okay. It is okay to rest. It is okay to heal. And while there's still work required of me, things from the business um, aren't going to just, you know, fall from the sky. My kids are not going to learn by osmosis. Um, what needs to be done will get done. And other than that, I need to let it go. I think that's so powerful just to get permission that, especially when we're in a period of mental health struggle, whether that's 30 minutes or whether that's 30 years, like wherever you're at, it's sort of that, that blinded condition where we think no one else gets the depth of the struggle and agony that we are wailing in. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. There's been so many moments in my physical and mental health journey where I remember my blindedness and, and I joke because most of the time that I was severely ill through my twenties into my thirties, I don't remember vacations or outings or things with friends. And I'm, and I, now I'm just honest enough to be like, you know what? My body was literally in a period of survival. I want to remember those things. And every once in a while, I'll come across the picture and wonder where I was or what we were doing. And thankfully I have amazing, loving social uh, sphere that will sort of fill in the gaps. But the reality is, is we are blinded in our times of struggle. And the thing that we can tell us ourselves the best is one, like you said, it's a temporary feeling. This is not forever. This is a, whatever the temporary is, it's temporary. Giving yourself permission to take those small breaks, like give yourself 10 minutes to cry. I tell people in my sessions as a counselor, give yourself 10 minutes. Find a place where no one's going to judge you in your car, on the side of the road, in the back of a parking lot, scream, cry, cuss, do that in my session. Like it doesn't scare me, <laughs> but then also know that like, there are certain things that are important 
And that those are the things that you exert that little tiny ounce of energy that you have left, that little ounce of sanity that you have left, you exert it toward that priority. And like walk yourself through because you're not the only one who's ever hurt. And you're not the only one who's ever navigated that darkness or that fear or that physical pain. And you surely aren't alone, but no one is going to know that you feel that way unless you tell someone. And there are people who listen. There are dumb people who say dumb things and don't listen very well. We started that in the, at the beginning, like, I don't want answers. I just want to be validated. Yes. <laughs> but there are amazing people who want to see and hear you in your pain and find those people like seek those pray for those people to step into your life because that will that changes everything as you told your kids it's the people it's the people and I found uh in my personal um experiences that looking for people who are frank about their own struggles is a good place to start and that's what I, I was actually just working on this last night. Choosing to be vulnerable allows others to be vulnerable back to you. Um, and it doesn't, I love the word being frank with people because I think it is a good description of you don't have to, uh, it's not a burden. You're not, you're not unpacking everything that's happened in your life, every hurt, every struggle. But by saying frankly, oh yes, I I've, I have severe anxiety. Um, you're allowing people to say, oh, oh, really? Well, I, maybe I do too. And, and just that whispered me too is so important, um, I think. So that's kind of where I really- It's a sign of awareness. Yeah. Like yeah. when we are self-aware, we're slightly safer than those who are unaware. I've noticed that- the people who are like, I don't have emotional regulation problems or no, there's no anxiety. Everything's fine. Like, or nope, everything's fine. Everything's good. Affirmations out the butt. Like those are the people that worry me more than the person who's aware enough to be like, nope, hot mess express. Like I'm good. Because I don't, I can't feel safe with you if you can't sit in your own stuff, like, like, I don't, I don't want us to say me too, because I don't, I don't want to be like that. Like, I want to deal with it, see it, deal with what I can deal with, accept what I can accept, humble myself through the journey that I know there's room to grow somewhere. Right. That's what I, I um, I like to remind myself first before I remind others this, that um, mental health isn't a sin. Yes. Right. Anxiety is not a sin. Um, depression is not a sin. Those things are, but pride is. Yes. <laughs> and for a long time, my problem wasn't that I struggled. It was that I was too proud to tell anyone is that I was too proud to say, I really need some help. Um, and so that, that that's, that's more the problem. And, and it, it's, so harmful because it's so insidious right you're like oh man if anybody knew this about me I would have no friends left if anybody knew this about me my husband's career would be in the toilet if anybody knew this about me I couldn't deal with the shame and there's freedom in saying it um, because now no one can hold that over you. Mm -mm. you. You can't use my anxiety against me because I just told you I have it. <laughs> you're like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to go behind my back because I said it out loud. It's not a secret anymore. It, it's I'm claiming it. Um, and just to to learn that that you know what it's it's really okay. It's really okay. It's terrifying and it's uncomfortable but it's freeing yes. in, in all the best kind of ways. Yes. And it opens up that opportunity um, for people to, as you said, be real about themselves. Yes. So the, the question, where do you see yourself this year is kind of ridiculous because 
all of the changes, all of the things, God has plenty of time to show off in mighty ways and ways that you could never plan yourself. And so it would be a ridiculous question, but how can folks find you, connect with you and be praying for you in a way that they're like, yes, Laura, you've got this. I don't know where you are, where you're going, but I know God is faithful. Uh, We don't know where we are, where we're going yet. So um, the biggest thing you can find us on um, social media, we have a Facebook and an Instagram. And if you're scrolling through and wondering why there are no posts, it's coming. I promise. Um, It is the Quiet Days magazine for both of them. And we also have a website, quietdaysmagazine.com. And uh, that's just really where we're focusing right now um, is kind of what do we need to do for our business? And, um, as far as prayer, we'll take all the prayers you can give us, (laughs) uh, the, the biggest, um, unknowns right now are kind of this, the next few months for us. And, um, the military offers internship programs for those who are leaving service and, but you have to apply and you have to get accepted and, And it's kind of one of those things, kind of like when you're applying for college where you kind of pick the one that you really want and go for it. And if it doesn't work out, kind of stuck. Um, So that's where we're at right now is just waiting for the Lord to just say, hey, hey, I see this. And um, for my husband personally, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a career change, not, not just in the military civilian world, but he's not pursuing what he did in the military world. And that's really healthy and we're really excited for him, but it also means relearning things and learning new things and kind of going from a totally different work environment um, to one that I think will, will fit his strengths better, but also this is what he's known since he was 19. Um, and so that's also a challenge. Uh, so that's kind of, that's where we're really transitioning and just you know, there's so many things that you don't think about until you're having to deal with it. You know, how do you get prescription medications to continue when you don't know where you're going? You don't know who your health insurance will be through. You don't know if you'll have health insurance. Like, <laughs> just like okay, Lord, we're just going to do the best we can. And you're going to have to fill in the rest with lots of grace. So that's where we're at right now. I'm absolutely, I'm praying for you in this journey because it's so exciting and it's so weighty simultaneously, but I I think it's encouraging for our listeners as well to recognize that we all feel in some way connected because of seasons of change. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's, there's one human walking around that is aware of themselves Um, that isn't feeling some level of sort of heart flutters or hyper-awareness that what they've known is not how it will be in days, weeks, years to come. And so I encourage you, like, feel unified with the world right now that if there's any time to be changing you're at least changing at the same time the world is significantly shifting and that that can be encouraging it can it yes absolutely there's uh, we like to tell people that the, the you don't feel different emotions in the military the, the range of emotions is the range of emotions but it does amplify things and so um, I think that the past few years in our world have also encouraged a lot of emotions to be amplified alongside our military. And so that uh, there's a lot more shared. Oh, yes, I, yes, yes, that's kind of what I've been feeling for about 10 years. So <laughs> you only get two years to catch up with me, but, but you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, life with an invisible illness and everyone being like brain fogged and highly fatigued and all of these things. And I just, I joke, I'm like, welcome to my life. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let's walk together now. And then j- you just start locking arms with people. You lock arms yes. with people who are compassionate and vulnerable and you just roll with it. Let God run the show. Any words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners? I feel as though you've shared 
I don't know, at least 38 of them. However, do you have a finale? <laughs> Goodness. Um, I think the biggest thing I can say is keep your eyes open for the ways that God will show you your scene. It might not be a lightning bolt coming down saying, I see you. Um, but just those, those, as Carol Kent calls them, keep your eyes out for those sacred echoes. Let's say, hey, you're seen. Um, it's okay if you're pursuing rest. It's okay if you're saying no to hustle. Um, that's okay. And just God, I think, will always show us the lessons that he's trying to teach us. And sometimes they start out quiet. And sometimes if you're like me, they get louder and louder and louder as you continue to ignore them. But, but that it's always there. And it's, um, it may not be the way you think it will be, but that's okay. Cause you're still seen by the creator of the world. And he knows your brain and he knows how you're wired. And, and that's how he wanted you. Um, because sometimes I'm like, why am I so anxious? Why am I so ADHD? Why am I so this? Why am I so that? Like, well, that's how I was wired. And sometimes it's a struggle and sometimes it's not. And, um, and so just that that's, you created the way God wanted you to be. I love that. And, and many of us may not get a, a directly mailed temporary tattoo from the Lord that says rest. <laughs> However, um, listeners know that, that you are seen, that you are prayed for, that, that there are others whose heart aches for the journey that you're walking and, and leaps with joy for the victories that you are experiencing, but you are never alone. You are always tended to by the God of the universe, whether it is by a podcast, whether it's a note, whether it's a smile from a stranger, the things that you need show up in your day. If you're looking and anticipating God's faithfulness in your life, because he did not die on a cross for nothing. He did not exemplify his love by coming to this world as a helpless infant. He did not reign on the throne and continually tend to us with breath and food and shelter in the ways that he has every day of your life up until this point. If he did not love you so much. And so please know that we are glad you're here. We are glad that you listened. Laura, it was an honor to have you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. What a special treat to start my morning. Absolutely. And listeners, you know it. Come back, tell a friend, pass it on. I'm so glad you're here. Laura, again, thank you. Everyone, have a wonderful rest of the day because you are truly, truly seen and you are loved with the infinite love that only the God of the universe could give you. Can't wait till next time. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation, where stories of growth, resiliency, faith, and falling are authentically shared to encourage and equip you in your journey. If you've been inspired, please feel free to share the love and tell a friend about these Crystal Conversations. If you want more inspiring, growth-focused, and resiliency-related content, find the Crystal Conversations LLC page on Instagram and our Facebook page, or go to crystalmcfadden.com and subscribe for our newsletter and other content-related goodies.